Hey, dear listener, do you enjoy listening to us ramble incoherently about Canadian politics and history? Boy, do we have a special fucking treat for you. We've got our first ever official live show at a bar. It's at Two Crows Brewing on uh, Brunswick Street in Halifax on Sunday, May the 26th at 8 p.m. And uh, if you go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, if you look at the banner at the top, it will take you to the tickets so that you can uh, book a ticket and come and spend some quality time. It is going to be a very intimate affair. There are like only about 50 tickets available. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to drink a lot. We're going to quiz. Reese is going to quiz me at the end, but he's also going to quiz the audience and see if they know more than I do. And any alcohol you buy, Reese and I, we promise to drink it no matter how much it is. If you want to hold our hair while we barf in the plants outside of the bar, we'll do that for you. So go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, click the banner at the top, and on Sunday, May the 26th at Two Crows Brewing on Brunswick Street, we will see you there. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Oh, another one, another one. Oh, day day oh, two oh, of oh, Canadian God. Spies are boring. We're still here. Yay. Hi, Reese. <sighs> Remember, we're fuckhack. We need all, everything nearly fell apart because we were just exhausted and tired in yeah. 25 days. Well, hopefully that won't happen because this is less than half the length, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> How are you? Um, I am. Uh, I'm, I'm still alive. Um, I have uh, all of my limbs. That's always a, a bonus. And as far as I you can do tell, live in the woods. So, yeah, as far as I can tell, all of my I still have my faculties and my marbles. So, what are faculties? I, um, I don't know. I don't even know if I said that right. You want some ASMR? Here, listen. No, just just open a can of untitled fizzy water. I've never seen someone struggle to open a can so much. It's just doing it slowly. Here, listen. Imagine a drunk man with no fingers trying to open a can. That's what Jesse looks like opening a can. I was supposed to just do some ASMR of me slowly drinking, and it turned into me coughing and choking on it because he made me laugh. Which is way more entertaining. <laughs> a drunk so. man with no fingers trying to open a can. What, which is like his feet or his stubby yeah. nubs? Just <laughs> Jesus Christ. Stubby nubs. Uh, There's a name for a kid. If you're looking for a name for a kid, if you're having a child being bored. Yeah, stubby nubs. Stubby nubs. <laughs> <laughs> and your last name has to be Flubberlubs. Snubby nubs, Flubberlubs. <laughs> Poor kids. Make sure to change your last name. If just for I'm sorry, if you've got a child called Snubby Nubs, 
or your last name is Flubby Dubs. We're really sorry. We didn't <laughs> We're not effort. sorry at all. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's amazing. If your name is Snubbly, Snubbly Dubs, Flubby Dubs, call us right away. We'll have you on the show. Okay. Just. <laughs> <sighs> Um, All right, spy me. This you're gonna like this episode. Am I? Yes. Am I? Yes. Okay. Just the title. I, I'm just, actually rewriting just... the title while I'm talking to you. Okay. Um, this title. I am. I'm holding you because I know we've been doing this for like a, a, a year and a bit now, and I'm holding you to make like make this shit more interesting. Get ready for, the, just... get ready for this. <laughs> James Bond was Canadian. That's the name of this title. This title of this episode. James Bond is fictional. James Bond was Canadian. It's a fictional man. <laughs> That's not a documentary. What? It's not a documentary. What's not a documentary? James Bond. No, it's a fictional... It's Jurassic Park, not a documentary. <laughs> oh, oh, we have to have a talk. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's a fictional, but I know he's a fictional... I know he's a fictional character. I know he's a fictional. But, um, so, I'll, you, I'm not going to give you any more information. You have to listen now and pay attention. Oh, for fuck's Your sake. ears open. My, my what? Yes. No, my, ears. Go my, your ears open. My, so my ear holes. Anyway. So, you know we did the whole thing with the Fenians. Yes, the Ferengi. The secret police. By the time World War Two started, Canada had didn't really have any spies again. What happened to them all? Well there were no threats, so they didn't bother spending money on spies. Oh yeah, right. And then World War Two broke World War One broke out. Right. And they had like a few like soldiers who would sneak behind enemy lines, but nothing in the sense of a spy. Um and uh, so Canada enjoyed no genuine intelligence system when World War One broke out. I don't know if the word would be enjoyed. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> to say the CIA are having a lot of fun. <laughs> All so. right, fair enough. They might actually be having a lot of fun. Just yeah. <laughs> so because of World War One, obviously they had to do stuff um, and think about. It. So what happened was there was a. What uh, are you doing? There was a. <laughs> There was a German campaign of sabotage uh, run by the German military attaché in Washington. His name was Captain Franz von Papen. Oh, my God. Say that again. Captain. I am Captain Franz von Papen. How can you say it with like Military attaché. And he so he actually served as a cabinet minister for Hitler later on. Papen. Franz von Papen. I'm just going to call him Papen. Papen worked for Hitler. Papen Smurf. Papen. So childish. Well, this is the pat. This is the same Pappen that worked for Hitler. <laughs> is now a Smurf. Is what you're saying? <laughs> well, he was older, so. <laughs> um, so he tried. Papa Smurf, who's that over there in the field? <laughs> That's von Pappen Smurf. We don't. We don't. T- don't talk to him, child. So uh, Pappen abused his diplomatic immunity. Um, so was Pappen Canadian? No, Pappen was German. Based, was German. based in America. Based in America. Who then worked for Hitler? Yeah, but before that, he was still in America during World War I. Uh, it was 1914. America wasn't in the war, but Canada was part, part of the British efforts. Okay. So um, uh, Papen uh, started organizing plans to invade Canada uh, and, a, and a campaign of sabotage against canals, bridges, and railroads. Um, and in 1916, he attempted uh, a bomb attack on a Canadian <laughs> railway bridge during the main bo- on the main border. And... Nothing happened. So that was kind of <laughs> that's fucking interesting. So that was kind of that was, that was kind of it for spies during World War One. But well, what happened? But what do you mean nothing happened? happened? But but something amazing happened. Hold on, can we go back to the? I plan on blowing up a bunch of canals and bridges, and then nothing, nothing happened. happened. It what didn't it? work. It fizzled out. Like oh, 
right. So That's he was just... Papen was shit, basically. <laughs> but um, Hitler obviously wanted to employ him for some reason. Maybe he was just hate hateful, but terrible at spying. <laughs> So, um, so he was a spy very for, good at hated. He was a spy for Hitler. He was no Hitler was not in power then. It was the, right. That's World War Two. So World War One. Right, World War. Yeah. Later on, after World War One. Thank you. Later on in history, that's really about history. Two comes after one. Yeah, yeah. Right. So time works in a linear way. I've, I so, mean, depending on who you talk to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like a what, what shape do you think time is? It's kind of like a wibbly wobbly, timey wimey yeah. ball of timey I think it's stuff. Like, I think it's shaped like a slinky. That's as far as I got. So I haven't got an equation. So Papen was a spy for who? For the German Empire. In the States. He was based in the States. Attacking Canada. He was planning to attack Canada. He didn't. It failed. And Canada didn't really... Canada had to improvise intelligence services because they didn't have any at the start of World War I. Right. All over again. They were terribly unprepared. Okay. So, But what did happen during World War I was... um, a a man named Sir William Sta- Samuel Stevenson. Oh my! What a fucking mouthful. So he he basically became the real. What's life his name is again? Sir William Samuel Stevenson. Wow. He became. Uh, he was he fought during World War One and eventually then came out, went on to become a spy master in World War Two, and uh, was the inspiration for James Bond. Really? Um, yeah. So. Uh, Ian Fleming, who wrote yes. and came up with James Bond, said, um, James, Bond is, James Bond is a highly romanticized version of a true spy. The real thing is William Stevenson. So, wow. So Stevenson was born in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So, uh, wow. So James Bond is a Manitoba Our favorite night. place that we've never been to. William Stevenson. <laughs> I can't wait for our homecoming in Manitoba. <laughs> Ticker tape parades with three people. The three people. <laughs> One of them's asleep on their floor. <laughs> we'll even push our car over the border <laughs> once we break down. So. so his mother was Icelandic. His father was Scottish, but he was actually adopted by another Icelandic family because his parents couldn't care for him. I could, don't know why, but they couldn't. Um, and he left school at a young couldn't age. Or didn't? Just couldn't. Oh, okay. um, and he left school at a young age and worked as a, a telegrapher in uh, World War One. So he left school to join up for World War One, um, and he was uh, he was then essentially uh, recruited into the Royal Flying Corps, which was a very early air force. Cool. When okay. planes were still like made out of string and canvas, so he was flying the Sopwith Camel biplane. The what? The Sopwith Camel biplane. Who the fuck is coming up with these names for? Planes? I don't know, but but it's, I like it. Sop with camel? There's a great name for a plane. It sounds so slow. <laughs> Sop with camel sounds like the, the world's most obese species of camel. <laughs> so. I'm sorry, I'm just picturing a super fat camel right now. <laughs> the Sop with. It died out because it couldn't run away from anything. <laughs> Meanwhile, what do we call this plane? <laughs> What are so, those planes in the back that keep getting shot down? We're, we haven't named those ones yet. <laughs> so essentially, he became, it was like the very first version of Top Gun. He became an ace pilot flying this terrible plane. <laughs> um, he scored 12 victories, so he shot 12 other planes down before another flying ace, a German pilot called uh, Justus Grassmann, uh, shot him out of the sky and he f- was crashed behind enemy lines on the 28th of July, 1918. And he was captured and held as a prisoner of war. 
uh, until the end of the war. Fun. Uh, apparently, you see, you, you escaped. I read somewhere he escaped. I read somewhere he didn't. I think he might. He probably tried to escape. I mean, he was go- he was he was the inspiration for James Bond. So let's assume he escaped That's a good to assumption. a party. <laughs> right. Let them catch him so we could sleep the hangover off. Okay. That's like, no, I mean, we, we make we make the history. So yeah, yeah. let's <laughs> exactly let's just say that's what happens. Just, let's, this is official now. Yeah. Um, just write that down. Oh golly, Jesse! I've got some great news. We've had a fresh delivery from the ad man. Gee whiz, Reese! Really from the ad man? <laughs> Smell them; they're fresh. <laughs> oh, ads. <sighs> He he'd won a load of medals, um, and his this this is the this is what the um, the citation for his medals said: for conspicuous. This is so like old fashioned the language. This is on the medal. For, for, uh, no, this was the citation given why he had a medal. So, for conspicuous gallantry and devotion to duty, when flying low and observing an open staff car on the road, he attacked it with such success it was later seen lying in the ditch upside down. Well done. <laughs> During the same flight, he caused a stampede among some enemy transport horses on a road. Previous to this, he had destroyed a hostile scout in a two-seater plane. His work has been of the highest order, and he has shown the greatest courage and energy in engaging every kind of target. <laughs> that was in the London Gazette. Oh, well, that's right. There we go. It's good paper. It's lovely prose. Uh, <laughs> so he returned to Manitoba at the end of World War I. Okay. Uh, after, and with his friend Wilf Russell started a hardware business. Wilf? Wilf Russell. Wilf. I had an uncle called Wilf. 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 W-I-L-F. Oh, yeah, I could spell. Wilf. Wilf. I don't know why that name sticks in your throat so badly. Wilf. 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 So he'd been like it. Do you know know why he started his hardware business? Who, Wilf? No, well, Wilf and uh, Stevenson. No, I don't know. Wilf and Will. Will. Um, He was inspired by a can opener that he had taken from a prisoner of war. Okay. So I like the look of this can opener. Let's start a hardware business in Manitoba. <laughs> and the business was unsuccessful. Of course. However, it's, it's nothing but can openers. However, he rapidly then made a shit ton of money in many other industries. He was very successful in business. Oh. So he became wealthy. Um, he married uh, a tobacco heiress. She inherited a lot of money from a tobacco company. Right. Um, Mary French Simmons of Springfield, Tennessee. So he, um, he when, paint- when do we get to the spy part though? Well, this is it. He, this is it though. He painted a no, system for transmitting. What- <laughs> he, he invented a system for transmitting photographic images via wireless that produced a 100,000 pound a year royalties. Hold for, on. For, Wait, for 18. <laughs> he just invented this, some, some cool stuff. Say that again. What did he invent? A system for transmitting photographic, photographic images wirelessly. In 19 what? This would have been, this was in the 1920s. You're shitting me. And he, the royalties were about 12 million. Do you remember in the 1990s? Fax on machines. Your, on your BOD modem, trying to download an image to your computer? Well, he did it with long? radio. So he was very smart, even though the tin opener thing How didn't long work. was that? That's amazing. And his royalties was gave. Was it binary? Like, what did he use? It's incredible. I have no idea. No idea. You should look into it. I mean, it's your job. <laughs> You look. You do the science show. Does he name? But what's the? Um, that's so fucking but fascinating. That, that made that made him twelve million dollars a year um, in royalties from the patent because he licensed it. Um, wow. If you ingested it to 
to carry out money. So, and then he then he he started um, making radios uh, with the General Radio Company, aircraft, uh, pressed steel, which made car bodies for the British motor industry, construction, cement, and Shepparton Studios, which was the largest film studios in the world outside of Hollywood. Wow! So essentially, he then just set up a shit ton of businesses, which meant he had businesses all around the world and was traveling all around the world, had contacts around the world. Um, so he he essentially he, he'd fought he'd had this uh, insane military experience. Then he built an, a global empire, which meant he traveled all the time and built these contacts. So when Hitler started to build up um, uh, illegally, build up his military hmm. um, against all the international laws at the time, um, Stevenson was aware of it because he was selling steel and knew what was going on. So he started to tell um, Winston Churchill, who wasn't prime minister at the time, he was just an MP, and started to feed information to Winston Churchill um, and basically say, I know what he's up to. He's going to launch a war. He's building tanks. He's building this. The British didn't know about this, but this independent spy who was a self-financed businessman. But he wasn't a spy at the time. He was was spying, but he was just a businessman. He was just doing it for himself. Yeah, yeah. Or doing it for the good of his country. I guess he wasn't getting paid to be a spy. No, no, and he never got paid to be a spy. He did... He did all of his spying for free because he made so much money off his businesses. So this idea of James Bond having money and being in nice hotels and nice clothes came from William Stevenson, who was a oh, self-financing wow. spy. So he he spied for like the fun of it. I think he did. People did the government like kind of talk to him like, hey, can you do more of this? Like, well, that was it. So he was giving information to Winston Churchill about about Hitler and the Nazis, um, and uh, Churchill was the only was one of the few voices at the time who was fighting appeasement. So Neville Chamberlain, the British Prime Minister, didn't want to repeat World War One, understandably, hmm. and was wanted to make concessions to Hitler just to keep him quiet and to stop there being a war. Winston Churchill was seen as a troublemaker because he was going, No, it's a trick. We need to fight him. We need to build the armies up. We don't listen to him because he was being fed information from William Stevenson. Oh wow. And then when uh, Hitler did do uh uh, did do uh, follow through on those plans, invaded Poland. Uh, Neville Chamberlain resigned, and Winston Churchill was like, well, I was the only one who, who was warning you about this. He became prime minister. Oh, wow. So after World War II then, uh, basically Stevenson then became um, the center of British intelligence, really, again, in World War II. But what Winston Churchill did was send him to America because America wasn't part of the war effort at the time. They, okay. were, they wanted to stay neutral. Um um, so they established the British Security Coordination, uh, or BSC, in New York City, uh, and this was a year before the US entered the war. And it was it was under cover of a British passport office, <laughs> but it was actually his directives were to investigate enemy activities, institute, institute security measures against sabotage to British property, property, and to organise American public opinion in favour of aid to Britain. Um, and it directly influenced the US media at the time because he was well connected. Wow. Um, and he, his unofficial mission was to create a British intelligence network all, all through America and Canada. Um, and he worked, again, like I said, he worked without sa- salary and he even hired. Well, he had enough money. I don't think he needed more money. He was probably doing no, this no, for no, the exactly. fun of it. He was doing it for the fun of it. But yeah. also, then he hired out of his own pocket uh, Canadian women to organize. Uh, to staff his organization, and he covered a lot of the expense of the office rental and their salaries. Wow. So he built a team out of his own So pocket. not only did he not get paid, but he paid to be a spy. Like He, he paid was... other people to come in and be spies with him. Because like, he wanted to have a club. 
A very elaborate high stakes club. I mean, you yeah. know, when you're that rich and that powerful, <laughs> what else are you gonna do? You know, like so we start off at, as like a ten years old with a clubhouse. We end up in our fifties, a billionaire with a clubhouse. Come on, like it's, it's full circle. <laughs> so Stevenson then was really good friends with uh, FDR because of he had all the connections. He mm. was suave. He could hang out in cocktail parties and just be friends with presidents because that's what he did. Right, his clubhouse. Um, and he um, he even uh, helped uh, William J. Wild Bill Donovan uh, set up the Office of Strategic Services, which became the CIA. So he had played a big role in wow. helping establish the CIA and the, the American uh, Secret Service. Wow. Um, but... Uh, one of the things he did was set up Camp X, which was the unofficial name. Very, that doesn't sound very pleasant. Of the secret special training school number one hundred and three, which what? is iconic as being the 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 first ever camp dedicated to training the world's like best spies. Oh, cool. Okay, so it's um, not like a war camp then. That's no, no, no. He went. He set up this like camp. Nothing essentially, like Camp Twenty. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not Camp Twenty. Camp <laughs> Camp X is like Camp Twenty. If everyone who goes there is being trained to really be good at really, are really good at killing people and blowing things up. Can you imagine? But um, so after after World War Two, after all this, he he um he was living in a, a five star hotel in New York, and then he bought his own home and retired to Bermuda. Got lots of awards and and kind of lived until the eighties. What a life! I know. Oh my god! But the next episode, we're going to talk about. He was camp. born in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, late eighteen hundreds. Wow! So he lived a long, long, healthy, happy, prosperous, yeah, incredible, and got to watch a load of Bond films that as he well. knew he was. Did he know that he, he knew like, that he was the inspiration for? Yeah, because the the guy who wrote actually um, James Fleming. Yeah, yeah, he actually uh, was. Was it James? He, he was. He James went to Fleming? camp. Jim Fleming. Jim. But he James was a, he was a spy himself, so he knew Stevenson. Up. Hold on. What? Hold on. What? It was all based on. No, us. no, no. Hold on. Who? Ian Fleming, not James Fleming. Ian Fleming. Ian wrote Fleming. The and you're saying Ian Fleming went to Camp X with, I think. with well, he worked, he Stevenson? Well, he worked. He based it on his experiences. So why didn't he base it on his own experiences? Because he wasn't as exciting as the other oh, person. Yeah, that's, okay, fair enough. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. So um, the next episode is going to be all about Camp X, which was in Canada and was the uh, the world's number one spy training camp. There you go, people. The first time in a year and a half, we give you a preview of the next episode. <laughs> well, I thought it tied in <laughs> now nicely. Now you have to come back. It I thought it tied in nicely from the last story. So if you want to hear the terrible things that... <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I mean, the, the things they taught them were crazy. So um, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I, I and think. I've got some good stories, actually. That yeah. I can, yeah. All right. So anyway, so tomorrow, this is the call to action. Come back and learn about Camp X. I, don't I, Google I, it. Don't I, Google it. Day, okay, don't Google it. Our, our call to action has to be something other than please come back. Um, <laughs> like a whiny please come back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, please come back or we'll find you. <laughs> no, that's a, that's not a call to action. That's a threat. Okay. We can't we can't do that. And you're uh, going we to might, we, might, we might find you. Check our Instagram. That's not that's not a good uh, one. Don't go to Instagram. I tell you what, uh don't, don't go on LinkedIn. Mm. That's boring. No, that's boring. Who does LinkedIn um, anymore? Come on now. We do. I I did sync up the Facebook to the Instagram, so it does. We post it on Facebook now. Who the hell goes? I know. It's, I don't know. Nobody cares. Grannies, about Facebook, like grannies. And, don't offend grannies. Grannies are and, lovely and they make delicious pappins. cookies. Grannies and pappins. Pappins. Yeah. <laughs> pappins Smurf. Um, racists, grannies, and pappins. That's what Facebook's Not for. Racist grannies. No, racist and grannies. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
Uh, call to action. Um, don't hmm. Google campaigns. <laughs> Wait till tomorrow for us to teach you. Um, come back tomorrow, please. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Yay. Fun. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, dear listener, do you enjoy listening to us ramble incoherently about Canadian politics and history? Boy, do we have a special fucking treat for you. We've got our first ever official live show at a bar. It's at Two Crows Brewing on uh, Brunswick Street in Halifax on Sunday, May the 26th at 8 p.m. And uh, if you go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, if you look at the banner at the top, it will take you to the tickets so that you can uh, book a ticket and come and spend some quality time. It is going to be a very intimate affair. There are like only about 50 tickets available. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to drink a lot. We're going to quiz. Reese is going to quiz me at the end, but he's also going to quiz the audience and see if they know more than I do. And any alcohol you buy, Reese and I, we promise to drink it no matter how much it is. If you want to hold our hair while we barf in the plants outside of the bar, we'll do that for you. So go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, click the banner at the top, and on Sunday, May the 26th at Two Crows Brewing on Brunswick Street, we will see you there.